Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to episode 41 of the Filthy Shambles podcast. It's Friday. This usually uh, goes out on Patreon on Monday and then it's released to to everyone uh, the following day. But it's half term. To be honest, I've taken a bit of a sabbatical, not on purpose. I, I, what, I did intend to talk a fair bit after the Brighton game, but here we are a week on. Seems like it's a long time ago that we we just about got past Brighton. I'm joined by Adam. Adam, welcome, mate. Thank you, mate. You say you stepped away. Are you actually under some sort of Italian transfer investigation and sort of claiming <laughs> sabbatical is a way you can sort of step away from proceedings without Gardening really league, opening just, the can uh, of worms? <laughs> you know what? It would be great if I was because then it would be something slightly... Uh, exciting and interesting to speak about. Although my lawyers would, would probably tell me not to make any comment. So imagine uh, wasting all of your non-disclosure stuff on this. Like that'd be great. It'd be great content. But <laughs> to go it's, through uh, all those legal fees just to fuck it by on a clean feed stream with with another idiot. Like that'd be such a waste <laughs> of hard work. Well, unfortunately, reality is a, a lot more boring, but still, uh, probably far more um, yeah, kind of. Fulfilling, uh, I, I've got to say that. Not that my kid's going to listen to this podcast, but um, I've spent a, a, a week uh, just uh, just doing not a lot, and and usually not a lot equates to not thinking about football, not thinking about Tottenham, not talking about Tottenham. I even I've even kind of backed away from a lot of the chats in the in the WhatsApp groups with the fighting cock lads um, because it's the same thing at the minute. It's the same thing, but I I, I feel like we have to. And a lot of people would have just digested all this already, but I feel like we have to just mention a couple of things about Brian. What was the biggest thing you took from from that game? For me, it was Brian's manager failing his uh, his kind of pre pre test interview um, because he absolutely made himself look like a, a, a an idiot, taking things a, a little bit out of context. In the pre-match, what Stellini was talking about in terms of you know the inheritance from Graham Potter and, and and the rest of it, he just completely lost his shit, didn't he? That was really strange, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it's funny because a lot of Spurs fans I talk to um, always bemoan Pochettino's lack of anger, sort of towards the end of that Leicester season where. Everyone was saying how much they wanted Leicester to win and the TV schedules and Pochettino kept very calm about the whole thing. I do wonder if the referee on Saturday had done his job and Brighton had ended up being 4-1 winners, if the narrative would be like, oh my goodness, deserve you know, he's got that fire, he's got that passion. Um, what a job interview that was for Tottenham. Uh, it's funny how people like Stuart out welcome ruin people's lives on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. But it's, it is interesting. Doors, there is a sliding it? doors of football. There's yeah. so many sliding doors of football. Yeah. And I do wonder if like, because basically they all, they had that massive to-do after the penalty wasn't given, mm. right? So let's say it was given and, you know, one of two, Brighton's two handball goals aren't given and that makes it 3-1. There probably isn't a double managerial sending off. And I just wonder if maybe De Zerbi comes out of it looking 
like exactly the kind of guy we'd all love to have. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, really, no, no, you know, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we're only talking about his meltdown because of how it did play out. Um, like I'd be having a meltdown, in fairness, in in the similar yeah. circumstances. I, I, I think, I think, you know, just just kind of stepping aside from the memes and the rest of it and the bravado. Um, it's not like he isn't a good manager. He's he's obviously a good coach. He's a good manager. Mm. Uh, we could do a lot worse. But can we do yeah. any better? Is, is probably the, the question. I mean, the Brighton game was a weird one. I, I was at the game. I took my, my I actually took my daughter to the game, and she she really enjoyed it. Which is always funny when you take someone to a Spurs game for the first time, and they're like, "This is brilliant! I want to come again." It's like I don't think you get it. I don't think you understand that you're opening the the gates of hell <laughs> and the misery and the the the, 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 the torment the constant torment that you're going to live with because you're going to get hooked. You're going to get addicted. There was a, she, she noticed a a young lad that actually goes to her school a few rows down. And we looked around a couple of times to see what he was doing. He was with his granddad. um, And the, and the, the guy was, the kid was biting his nails like a, like a, like a 45 year old (laughs) seasonal uh, Spurs fan. And I just, I just laughed. I just thought, there you go. That's that. That's going to be you if you want to come back to this stadium. But I'll leave it up to you. No pressure. Um, it was a funny game for for reasons that we don't we don't need to delve too deeply into because we were slapped about a lot by Brighton. I did find Brighton to be a bit whingy. Um, mm-hmm. They spent a lot of time on the floor, on the ground. Um, and Spurs were okay, you know. There were moments when we broke. Um, it just again, it feels like we're all going through the motions along with, along with these guys, you know, having to to to, to having to look to the dugout. You know, no disrespect to Ryan Mason and Stellini, but it, it feels like we're just now getting to the summer and working out what the fuck we're, we're meant to be doing as a football club on so many levels, you know. Season ticket renewals are now out there for people that want to renew early. Um, there's no price increase. Spurs done a little bit of a PR masterstroke there. I mean, I guess there was no more room for them to manoeuvre if they had put the prices up. That would have been um, very interesting. Uh, but how are you feeling? Before we delve into into the details that we, we can't avoid, how are you feeling generally off the back of that game and and looking ahead to Bournemouth tomorrow, um, I mean, do, do you care? Do, do, does it matter what happens between now and the end of the season? Is it better that we finish outside the European positions completely rather than play Europa or Conference? Or, or is this, is there still a chance with United losing Rashford for a few games, couple more injuries in there? Is is Champions League still a possibility? Look, it's definitely a possibility if we win tomorrow and then you go to the Newcastle game no more than three points behind them. Um, I think that's how how it plays out. Yeah, uh, and like United and Newcastle aren't gonna get aren't both gonna get all their points. So I do think Spurs will be in a position where if we play our absolute best, we'll be in a position to get one of those top four places. But I had a very strange strange day on Saturday. I I hadn't I didn't go to the Nottingham Forest game mm-hmm. um, because I, I was working. So. The last time I'd been to a game at Spurs was the Milan game, um, which was obviously as awful as you, as we all know. Uh, yeah. Then I basically drove myself down and up to Southampton 
to meet a mate down there for that game. I was by myself in the car, having been by myself in the car for Sheffield United, meeting people there and back. So March was one of those months where nothing really went for me as a fan. Uh, then you had all the Conte Ferrara in the international break. Um, then you come back and you're wondering what's going to happen against Everton. And Everton really was a dark, a dark night, wasn't it? Um, the, the way in which it all transpired and how they played. And I thought I'd kind of checked out in general. Like I was kind of thinking, look, if we don't beat Brighton, I might stick my Bournemouth ticket on the exchange because, you know, whatever. You know, what, what's the point? But then Saturday arrived and I wasn't going with my mates. I was going with my dad. Um and his mate was fine. But as, as I started getting to the stadium, I just got absolutely incensed by the whole thing. Because I, I don't I don't know what caused that. But as soon as I saw the stadium, I was I was almost, I, I, the best way I can put it is I was thinking I was so angry because of what a waste this year had been. And I, I mentioned that the last time we were on. I thought this season, the way it's you could describe waste. it was a waste and so much so potential much, so the, much potential yeah, and off the back of last season's uh, momentum it was and, just and the best way to prove that is to look at what people were saying in august because everyone's very you know smart after the fact saying oh well you know i knew we'd be short here i knew we'd be short there in general the fan base was pretty aligned on the fact this was going to be a good season and i was i was properly simmering um as i got into the ground um it was Passover as well, so I couldn't even have a beer, which was just, you know, which the one thing I really could have used at that time. Uh, I had that cruelly snatched away from me from some mystical thing, which I don't even know why I do it, but I do. Um, and then the game started and look, I mean, obviously we ended up scoring a, a wonderful goal with Son and I feel a bit sorry for him that uh, such an amazing moment was shrouded a little bit by some of the, the chaos around him. And, you know, the cl- when Kane scored that goal, it was pure jubilation to beat Man City. Yeah. It didn't yeah. quite feel like that because I think there was a lot of anger in the room, no manager and, and whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I thought the team were a bit of a shambles on Saturday, I have to say, without going for sort of full Gary Neville. Um, I thought they, they played out of structure. Uh, you had players like Dyer and Hoiberg charging out losing their man and walking back. We were giving up chances. I don't know how we got out of it, but you know the beauty of football is that sometimes you can. But I, I, I thought it was one of those games, that if we play like that again, I don't think we'll beat another team this season. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I mean, earlier I said I thought we were all right, but I, I was, just to clarify that, it, talking about how we countered you know, against a good team, against a well-drilled, organised side. We looked dangerous when we had those opportunities to counter. But it is it is concerning, you know, like you know, Conte leaving has obviously removed the, the, the shackles, but there's there's there there's no there's no real ethos in amongst what we're trying to do as a team, right? It's like recovery mode. It's just players are a little bit more expressive but not necessarily deliberate or or or, or disciplined in in the right way um and that's again a consequence of everything that's happened we are a team that has suffered unnecessarily i think for the most part i think with the players that we did have at the start of the season yeah we've been unlucky with injuries it's you cannot talk about this season without that but we were just held back by antonio conte now, regardless of what you think of him and his experience in and you know, no doubt he's a serial winner with the right team at the right club. At Spurs, it didn't fit, and he did nothing to adapt himself. And obviously, now this is history. We've been talking about this every week, week upon week. It's the same thing, and I think that's probably what's drained 
and exhausted everybody and, and why we just want to see the team enjoy themselves and play attractive football. But that's not going to work in the way that we would like it to, potentially, uh, for the reasons that you just gave, that, the, the, that it is a bit Wild West in amongst uh, uh, positioning and, and, and the rest of it at the moment. Um, like, where, where, where are you sat with... I mean, obviously, as this has been going on, um, I think uh, Paratici has appealed um, his ban, uh, however that plays out. We have um, appointed. Um, I think we've appointed him, or is, is, is he has he not started his, his role yet? Um, uh, Scott Munn. Um, I think he starts on July the first. Right. Thank you. You see, I, I, I one week out, and I haven't got a fucking clue, which is probably for the best. <laughs> um, I know Dan. Uh, Dan, who obviously jumps on the pod occasionally, or more than occasionally, he's a regular. Uh, he did a bit of uh, homework, bless him. I think he's out. He's, he's out sunning it abroad at the moment. So um, he did a bit of homework before he left, and it was just a, a load of information about about uh, this new appointment, um, what he's done at Melbourne City FC, and a couple of other football clubs. Um, I mean, what is this to you? What? How? How have you read this appointment in terms of? Is this another buffer? between Levy and the manager, or is this a buffer between Levy and a and a director of football? I mean, is this the is this the guy that sits above the director of football, or, or is he just a renamed Doff? I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure I understand what's happening structurally at, at the minute. Uh, I don't think anyone does, but have you got, um, have you read anything that's given you any insight? Yeah, I think from what I'm, what I can tell, because they even said that if Paratici's uh, ban is overturned, then he'll be back and he'll report into Scott Munn. So it does sound like they want a director of football in addition to this guy. So whether this is... Look, I mean, what the hell do any of us know? But I suppose you yeah, can look at nothing, it one of two yeah. ways. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Uh, such is the way of big business, unfortunately. So all, all we can do is is, make an, you know, yeah. is speculate based yeah. on, on uh, you know empirical evidence. So... If you look, you could look at it one of two ways. That there's one way that says, "Well, this is just Levy, sort of putting another, uh, you know, buffer in place between him and the football, so he can try and absolve himself from blame if and when it comes." And let's be honest, we have seen at the times that Levy is very attracted to the shiniest thing next door. And if Man City are now seen as the model club, um, he has often been prone, as with director of footballs in the past and with certain managers in the past, as like, "Well, that's fashionable right now." So I need to do that. Where actually what he doesn't often realise is that what's fashionable now is not going to be fashionable in a year's time and can leave you sort of really right behind the eight ball. Yeah. Um, so there is that worry. But also, you know, I don't think it's unfair to view football. You know, This is a billionaire's boys club now. It's a billionaire business. And there, there's very few businesses of that level that don't have huge levels of, of structure of management. And if mm-hmm. this is another person to oversee the footballing side of thing, which is something that brings in hundreds of million pounds a year, um, it doesn't seem absurd to have a person in this position, especially as the super league will come back around as multi-club ownership will come back around as apparently more stringent FFP will come around. I, I suppose you do need someone with that level of expertise. M- my biggest uh, complaint about the board right now is that they appear to be people that you know were very comfortable running millionaire businesses but not billionaire ones and so if they are going to start putting people in place to do that 
there's obviously a potential to be a positive. Unfortunately, and this is even me saying it as you know a, a happy clapper. Apparently, um, the board don't have any credit in the bank with this stuff. So um, unfortunately, all we can do is look at it cynically and hope that it comes good. Whereas in the past, I would have looked at it optimistically. Um, and because I, I thought they knew what they were doing, but even I'm I'm struggling with that right now, to be honest. Yeah, we we need we need we need the club to make a statement and 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 to to you know it's I mean look words are words right action action is where it's at and you know often I think most people can tell if you're being bullshitted or if you're just being if things are being deflected or if they're trying to pull the wall over you. I mean, look. At the end of the day, you're right. They don't have any credit, um, and there's a, a lot of work to be done. I, I often think that we do. This is a tricky one, right? Okay, and I've spoken about this. I think on the previous podcast I did with Rich, and we spoke about identity and philosophy, and we, t- we spoke about what the club needs to do to win supporters over. In my head, it's very simplistic. Like it's a very easy thing to do. If you have someone within the club that understands fan sentiment, that understands how to talk to us, how to connect to us. I've had convers- conversations with people on Twitter privately and people that I've met um at certain events and it's interesting what they talk about kind of the industry things behind the scenes things the things that clubs do in order to 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 have that connection with the supporters now a lot of people will think well that doesn't really mean anything but it does mean something because look it's it's like politicians to be a politician you have to appeal to every type of person that's not easy and some people are really good at it and some people are absolutely terrible at it um i think i always find america interesting because it's far more Hollywood in the way that they deliver their politicians mm-hmm. so it it becomes easier to not not to really connect with these people but you just find it easier to listen to them and then you can decide whether you think they're talking bullshit which most politicians do and it's the same thing with with a chairman or a football club be it a social media account uh, or, or or someone leading comms within the football club you're having to talk to every type of person everyone's different everyone's unique and you can probably group people in terms of the happy clappy stuff and the people that are quite negative and the people that this, the people that that. And, and you have to appeal to every single person. But I think collectively, we know when a club is trying to communicate in the right way and trying to do things in the right way. And I think collectively right now, we can all agree that the club are failing at very basic levels. So it brings me back to how simple football should be. Just be transparent just and I know again how does a billion pound entity do this but I'm I'm almost almost at the point now where um you know I look at Spurs and I think it's quite privileged to to be to have lucked out okay as much as people are going to malign Tottenham Hotspur uh, football club we're pretty lucky what we get to see week in week Mm -hmm. out and I I mean that generally like the world-class players that you can list like genuine world class players that we've had, and all the other little bits and pieces, and obviously where it, where it's kind of where it's quite fragile is sustaining uh, momentum and consistency and cohesiveness and making the right decisions at a man- managerial level, and being able to actually win things to kind of consolidate all that hard work and all that loyalty. But we're in a good position, and and, and I always feel like we're only a couple of steps away from getting it right. 
and somehow we we don't. So off the back of my little TED talk, mm-hmm. like do, <laughs> do 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 you think that if it, the next appointment is pivotal, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it almost needs to be the right manager, the right coach for what we need in terms of identity, but also it's got to be the right manager that 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 binds the, the fan base together. I mean, is that possible? I mean, it's like a it's almost like Pochettino or or a Pochettino like. Mm. But what does well, that look like for you at the moment? Where where are you where are you landing on on that whole um discussion? You talk about transparency and you know wanting to hear from them and I, I don't necessarily think you mean that you need to physically hear from them, but a lot of fans are sort of demanding that people come out and comment and we get more statements after more statements. But to be honest, I want transparency and action. I don't really care if I ever hear from the owners because last time we heard from Levy properly, it was about having Tottenham DNA and he then appointed three managers in a row, which had nothing to do with that. So I actually couldn't care less if we never hear from them. What I want to hear, well, I, I want to see a plan. Um, And I think the biggest frustration people have right now is that you're looking around and you're thinking, I have no idea what's going on. There are five different managers that are being linked or leaked. And yeah, you can't help that. That's football. There's a million journalists that are trying to leak as much news as as possible. And people um, choose to believe what they want to and choose to disbelieve what they don't. So that that does become a very murky, mucky situation. But, you know, Paratici is going to be on the docket, I think, until, is it April 19th when the appeal is? So we don't know what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. Then we don't know what manager is going to appoint. Yeah. We don't know what the signings might look like as a result of that. And I think for me, all I want to see is that there's a clear plan in place that we can, you know, go forward with. And even if that was with a defensive-minded manager, I wouldn't be happy with that. But if they, you know, if in an alternative universe, Conte came back tomorrow and with him came Bastoni and Guardiola, then you could say, well, at least they're sort of doubling down and acting on the plan they're putting in place. You know, I, I was no big fan of Conte towards the end, but it's not unfair to say he didn't maybe get backed as much as he would have liked to, particularly in defence. And that's where he wanted to build the team around. I want to see a manager coming in alongside a director of football, alongside signings that fit that and have the squad built that. I don't need to hear from the owners when it comes to you know what they think, because they're going to show mm. us what they think. And that's all I really care about. And yeah, you know, look, the dream scenario, as I was singing on Saturday, is that's Pochettino coming back with, you know, all guns blazing. But if that doesn't happen, then show me why it's not him. That's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. We don't, I don't think any other football club has chairmans coming out and, and chatting. And I know there's been discussion about, you know, why don't we have, uh, rather than Paratici or whoever else kind of, selfie video in from a hotel room or wherever he's kind of lodged up at um why not have him at press conferences why not go the continental route and have these people step out and just talk about uh the club or whatever else but I, I don't think that i think you're right i think the more that you do that the more that there's out there the the more quotes can be misquoted the more pressure there is you know yeah i i, I think most people would agree we don't need to have these constant updates it's just right now we don't know what it is the club want to be or want to do mm-hmm. so therefore there's a failure there if we were able to, to to have a discussion about about this because we knew what the club want to do and how they're going to go about doing so then they've got the message across regardless of how they've done it statement 
uh, appointments and, and signings and the rest of it. So I completely agree. The language is simply the language of action. Um, and it's not like we're in a position not to be able to do that. Um, my, my uncle, I've not seen this yet, but he's written something. Can't wait to read it, to be fair. Um, but he's written this this huge kind of template on, on how to restructure the club, um, you know, based around football. It's He is someone who is in a position uh, of experience to a degree. The thing where he's got stuck is that he, he had this kind of like uh, kind of um, brainstorm and thought, I want, you know, how how viable is it to split the club into two entities to have like a Tottenham Hotspur the entertainment group that does all the Beyonce concerts and the NFL and the rest of it and the redevelopment and all the other bits and pieces and then have the football split and have a general manager or someone leading running all of that and and, and I kind of we kind of agree that sounds amazing in principle because what you're doing for our it's more for our benefit you're separating the two and, and and the entertainment side should support the football side. But as we were talking about this, we were like, well, hold on a minute. What relevancy would that have in separating it? Because if you have someone who's completely, completely responsible for, for the football, and it's not Levy because he's sitting on the other side, if the money's all coming into the same pot, then then it's Levy who's going to have the decision around money. And then we kind of kind of split it off in another in another in, a, in another direction where basically we just agreed that we do spend money as a football club. I think where we, where we get things wrong is is the footballing decisions. I mean, does that sound wildly impossible uh, to do that? To, to or is is that what is that what Levy's attempting to do right now in terms of you know appointing um, the the new guy? You know, having the buffer, having someone to look after the football. Or, or, or again, is it just the, the same thing that we've seen before, where Levy appears to be on the outside, but then somehow gets involved with the football because he owns the football club. He, he's basically responsible for the decisions. So, does any of that noise make any sense? I'm just <laughs> trying. I'm just trying to to visualize just for the just as a bit of a fantasy, a way for the club to to appear more centric to the football, which I think is fundamentally where people uh, default to when discussing Spurs. Like, they don't think the football is the important factor, that everything else, the brand, is more important than the football, which is insane when you say that out loud, because it's a football club, right? It, mm. We are a football club. How can the football not be centric to everything? And they will say all the money goes back onto the pitch. Kind of does, kind of doesn't. I mean, it goes it back into the club. It doesn't go into anyone's pockets. You know, Enoch Levy, their investment is the football club. They don't pocket the money. The the money's within the club. So when they get to sell it for four billion or whatever, that's when they cash in. That's when they get their money shot. Um, I don't know, Adam. I don't know if I, I even had a question there. Um, but okay, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try and sort of break it down into what I think you're think you're asking. So this is why I love you, mate. You just you uh, listen to my bullshit for five minutes and then, you know, you filthy uh, rambles, filthy rambles. Well, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I think Levy is an overly involved owner 
who can't help himself but to get involved and as a business owner who struggles to step away from things albeit on a much 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 smaller scale I do understand this idea of why would I delegate when I can do everything myself better than anyone else can so yeah that, that that's really a business owner's uh, foibles that maybe he can't shake I I do think sometimes people think that Levy, instead of looking at left wing backs, is booking Beyonce concerts. And I, I think people, you know, that, that maybe is a slightly daft way of looking at things. Like this idea that it's the same the same people doing the commercial side are the same people that are also trying to, you know, work out if we should be playing three four three. Like, you know, they're not asking Conte <laughs> what he thought about, you know, the double the double chicane on the F one track underneath the stadium. Um and I, I think when things aren't going well this idea that as soon as like they've even split it out haven't they like I know it's it's uh, a clever way to do it but you know the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has its own social media account doesn't it yes. which, which yeah, talks yeah, about yeah. stuff going on and yeah. the club are very very good uh, or, or keen at least to not put any of that stuff on their football feed um, I don't think you ever see anything on the on the Spurs official um, Twitter stuff about the concerts and the you know, the NFL stuff going on maybe the, the, the odd cursory thing but they do look like they're trying to split that out and I don't know like I think Spurs have spent a lot of money in the last couple of years just haven't always spent it necessarily as well as we may want them to but the money has to come from somewhere and this just looks like a way that they're looking to increase revenue unfortunately because it's under the same auspice as the club people like to link it together and and think you know well why are they fucking around booking concerts when they need to you know, be working on how we can be a better team. I don't think it's the same human beings doing that. If it is, then we've got more problems than I thought than I originally thought we did. But I don't get the impression that, that is the case. Um, and I think it's one of those things that when things aren't going well, it's very easy to lash out at. But if mm. things on the pitch were going as well as we wanted, um, outside of those that just will not have Enoch... Look, put it this way. If someone else comes and buys the club, there's not going to be fewer events going on at the stadium. Um, no, of course not. They're, bu- they're buying the club because of the potential. Because of it, exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's all. It's all of it. It's. It's everything. It's. You know, Levy it's... isn't choosing to put these events on to make himself more money. The club are doing it to make the club more money, whether you like it or not. And yeah, it may be spent exactly. in the wrong that's way, the but that is what they're it. doing. Yeah, that's the, that's absolutely the reality of it. And I guess what we want again, if you just look at it from a strictly. Tottenham perspective, what Tottenham means to us and the fan base, it's leadership. It's an understanding of, you know, we are not just going to aim for ch- uh, Champions League football, even though that should be the the bare minimum. You know, what we should be aiming for is is a lot more or how to get there. How do you get there? I mean, you can't plan it. You can't put it on a whiteboard and just forecast, oh, we'll win the league in three years. But you can have that energy. You can mm. look at other clubs that have done that. How do we win the league? What do we need to do to win the league? We need to pay 75 million quid for this centre-back. We need to do X, Y and Z to be able to put ourselves in a position of strength, to be able to challenge these other teams, the, the likes of City, that can field two starting 11s that could probably finish in the top three. So yeah, we're up against it. But if you're doing nothing, if you're doing nothing to try and be competitive, and it, I'm not saying we're not we're not doing any, we're not doing anything because we we appointed Antonio Conte. I don't think you can get any more ambitious than that. And but unfortunately, regardless of the money spent and maybe not enough was spent on the right players or whatever argument you want to bring up on this, it just wasn't the right appointment because 
Spurs do have an identity within the within the heritage of the club, and we're the we're the custodians of that. We're the ones that won't let the football club get away with anything that goes against what we believe in. And I think that's quite powerful. I think there's a lot of clubs out there that would surrender everything because they don't have that strong identity. You know, people go, well, what identity, mate? One trophy in 20 years. <laughs> mate, everything that, that's led up to this moment, you know, even the things that happen in black and white, they still mean something. They're building blocks. You, you, your dad, your granddad, you go back generations you know, it's in your blood, and we're the ones that carry that responsibility. So we're the ones that say, no, the, you know, we don't like this football. George Graham isn't the right manager for this football club. This football isn't the right, right manager, uh, right type of tactical look or whatever. You know, sometimes we sacrifice a, a little bit, you know, we make concessions with Conte. It kind of looked like it was going to work, and then it didn't, and it kind of just imploded because he just wasn't the right fit. So it does feel like like the concern for me right now is how much panic um, uh, and controlled panic uh, that, that Levy might show. Is he going to pro- is he going to prioritize again the urgency to be this top four club quickly? Just bring in someone that can quickly get us back in the top four next season, or does he take a step back and think longevity is more important? Might take longer to get there, more than a season. But when we get there, we're there for far longer than we'll ever be doing it this other way, which keeps failing. Um, it, it, it's it's wild, isn't it? Because it's the same thing, Adam. We keep coming back to this. The same, you know, short term short term isms, you know, uh, uh, being encountered and. Um, everyone's frustrated. Everyone's fed up. Um, there's there's a demonstration uh, or a march happening. A change for Tottenham. Um, I think at the Palace game. I have to get back online, mate, and do my homework for the next pod. Yeah, I think it is the um, Palace game. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't like a strictly an Enoch out movement. It's just, I guess, something to amplify what the trust does. Just just to get other people on board. I think they're all they're all better suited to to kind of. Uh, bring everything together under one roof. To be fair, rather than splinter off. But I think that the the trust talk to them and they talk to the trust. I don't, you know, they're not aggressive in a detrimental way. And I'm not having a dig at Enoch out supporters because I think people I keep getting accused of of I belittle them. And I don't think it's it's not that I purposely do that, right? If anyone knows me, anyone who's met me, I'm not that type of person. Yes, there's a bit of exaggeration and cartoon fun or violence, however you want to look at it, on Twitter. Uh, but I do find it frustrating um, that there are so many vocal people online, like in, I want to say in, in the thousands maybe, right, across all the social media platforms. But if only 20, 30, 40, 50 people turn up outside the stadium and then they all disappear because they get into the game, they go to the game, they go and watch their team. Because why shouldn't they? They're Tottenham supporters, right? You can protest and still follow Tottenham, even though you're giving money to the the very thing that you feel is losing that money, right? Gambling that money away and, and not giving you what you want. I just find it frustrating when I kind of kind of walk past and they've got the the the, the rabbi, you know, on a mic, hmm. I'm playfully talking to people but not really making a point. Um, it, it, it it's I don't know what my, again I don't know what my point is here. I think. I, 
I did say you didn't know what you were going to say today, in fairness, to to peel back behind the curtain. So I think you're doing remarkably well. Well, it's the the issue I I generally have is that it's okay for you to voice your opinions and get people on board with the way that you think. I think this this us versus them thing, and it's two-way, I've put my hands up to that, doesn't work. Um, It doesn't help anything. It just uh, fragments the fan base. And I've got this theory as well. At the Brighton game, you, you you heard the Levy out chance, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then it kind of broke into uh, uh, Pochettino's magic um, rendition, and I think that is people probably think, oh, Twitter, yeah, it's, it's because of Twitter. It's because of, I think that's just an organic, in ground uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. I think people don't need to be on Twitter to be leaving out. People don't need to be on Twitter to want Poch back and the rest of it. I think that happens quite organically. And I think this is the powerful part of, of, of a fan base. Because what happens is, when the football is good, when we are playing well, and there is hope, and there is direction, all this other noise disappears. And the people that are outside the stadium now will find that they don't want to be outside the stadium. They want to be. They just want to enjoy the football. They just want to be positive about the football. And it's it's interesting. It's interesting because it doesn't feel strong enough to be a movement or this this force of change. Because once you're given what you think you want, you give yourself over to the hope. And and that's the way football should be, right? But at what point do we stop being moany or petulant, which is what some people might see it as? I'm not saying it is. Because I think it's important we have a voice and we're obviously not being listened to right now. People are not listening. The club don't appear to be listening to us, not in the way that we want them to listen to us. So, like, once again, like with the Enoch out and the change for Tottenham and the trust, does any of it matter, Adam, at the end of the day? If we appoint the right man and we're playing the right type of football, then you just have to give yourself over to the fates and just hope for destiny to lead you in the right way. And then when it doesn't work, is that because there are better football teams than us? Simply, you know, it's simply that we cannot compete with City right now. Or do we go back to demanding change? Because new owners are going to come in, right, at some point. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to stand outside the stadium and go sell up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You, you, you've got a new owner. How long do they have before they, they start producing? What does... what? What is your what what is your loyalty to the football club? What is it? Are you asking me like what? Yeah, is my I mean, lo- yeah, no, I mean, I'm, for you, I'm hopelessly in love and obsessed and addicted to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. We all are. That's why we do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny when you're talking about those chants on Saturday. I thought it was quite telling that you know it, th- those chants didn't just start on the seventh minute for a laugh. They only really happened when there were very fractious moments of chaos in the game and there was kind of a groundswell to chant something aggressive and and uplifting at the same time and that that makes me think that people didn't go in with a predetermined idea to chant about Pochettino or Levy exactly. out because yeah, it didn't exactly. start till about 65 minutes um so and I, I think it, that was a really nice encapsulation of of just the way that footballing passion can can take people it sort of drew people to to that sort of thing and you get the odd Levy out chant at away games that you go to, but there's nothing, there's never been sort of a, apart from that little Palace game, you know, 15, 20 minutes, there's not been the as much in the ground as there would be suggested that there would be outside the ground. But 
I, I'm all look, unless Spurs sell up to someone who um, I can't stomach from an ethical standpoint, and in which case I have to have a serious sort of discussion and thought with myself about what to do. Um, yeah, I'm hopelessly addicted to Tottenham. And yeah, it's, it's kind of. I was playing golf with a mate yesterday, and we're you know just, and he's literally said to me, "The biggest mistake we've ever made is Spurs," and not necessarily <laughs> in, in in the way of like you know what it does, but the time it takes. You know, Saturday will be another six yeah. hours, and it was six yeah, yeah. hours last week, and away games are ten hours. Like it's just, it's an enormous commitment that we pay to do. It amazes me that we pay to do this stuff uh, with all the heartbreak and the heartache, and obviously there's there's joy that's intertwined in that. That you know when you see the ball fall into Harry Kane on Saturday and you know he's going to smash it in. That That's Ambrosia. There's nothing better than that. Mm. Um, and that's why we do it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do find it hard, strange that some people can protest sort of against the club as much as they do because I don't necessarily think they're always doing it with the club's best intentions in mind. Maybe that's a I, 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 Rich said something interesting. It. Rich said something interesting last week on the last pod. Oh, we were discussing how it, how more powerful would the Enoch out movement be if it was if there was a if there was a more positive spin on it if it made if it would if it was made to look attractive from the outside looking in that was appealing to what football fandom actually is which is a celebration right of of who you support and singing and and, and the rest of it rather than this constantly detrimental and derogatory outlook on all things Spurs. Because as much as we do all agree that the club isn't being managed in, in the right way, and just in, the, in, in, in terms of elite footballing decisions, for reasons you've just given, we, we can't get enough of it. I mean, I'm not going Saturday. It's the first game this season I'm missing, which... It's fine. I'm okay with it because, again, half term with my kid is, is you know, I can prioritise occasionally and, 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 and make Spurs second uh, to, to something else. But I've renewed for next season. So I'm part of the problem, right? Because I've just gone, here you no, go, you're Daniel not part Levy. Of the problem. I'm, you're no, a football I'm, fan. I'm, That's mate, what we I'm, do. I'm being I know, you, I know what you're saying. <laughs> but when I, when I see these tweets about, you know, don't buy a program. Don't buy a beer in the stadium. Hit him where it hurts. Who the fuck is going to do that? Like, we're going to football. That's what we want to do. The whole point of it is to go and have a beer with your mates and, and watch the game. Like, that's what we love doing. I so, think yeah, we some can people, yeah, I think some people, um, they don't, they pretend that all of that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. That because the, the the again the vast majority of people will just we we will moan about what's happening with the team and be upset and sometimes we'll be pissed off and not go to the game because the football has genuinely pissed us off. But it's that that emotion only exists because of that love that you mentioned that that addiction that 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 desire that you have that that because you are a Tottenham supporter. That's how you know when you meet new people generally. Oh, do you like football? Who do you support? It's li- you're literally labelling yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're part of a tribe it's imp- and it's important. So regardless, the reality is regardless of all the politics and all, all the other shit, you still go. You still want to go because all your mm-hmm. mates are still going. And all my mates are, are, starting, to, are, are starting to renew. I, I've actually put myself down for a move, even though the, the, the seat in the East Stand is majestic. It's such a good seat. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to see if I can shift to the, the South Stand because of the social part of it all. The view won't be as good, probably. Um, 
but I'm in amongst people that 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 I drink with before the game and after the game. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't like I sat down and had to do a pros and cons about should I renew and go back next season. It's like it's literally my fucking life. <laughs> it's it, you know it, you know Martin Tyler levels of. Uh, um, of obsession i think we're all at that level with our football clubs it's so much more than just wanting to win trophies that is obviously what we want our club to do because we want that buzz and that and and just that euphoria but it's everything else everything else is, is what makes football what it is and we're just asking for the custodians the people that actually own the bricks and mortar the people that own the football club and the and the, and the branding and the and everything we just want them to just, just. You're at a point now. You've got the money. the The revenue streams are incredible from all angles. Whether it's Nick Oil or American pop stars, you, it's there. Just make us competitive because with that comes even more revenue. With that comes even more potential to grow the brand worldwide. So it just seems like a no brainer. Um. What, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Are you, are you going to the game tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be there. Um, yeah, so you might I'm quite looking forward that. to it. I'm yeah. quite looking forward to it, actually. Um, mainly because, like, as, as much as we hate it, as you say, going to football will always be better than not going to football. Uh, with all the nonsense that it causes and it messes up your day and you've got to leave then and get back then and transport and all that, all that shit, going to football will always be the best thing. Um, and especially when you get to see great players and hopefully do great things um i'm never gonna be i'm never gonna turn my nose up and if when i do start turning my nose up at the prospect of going to a football match especially a tottenham game then i know my, my time with it is done but i'm nowhere near there and as a result it's, it's saturday it's three o'clock it's uh it's, it's it's what we all live for yeah no exactly mate exactly um well, look, we'll leave it there for the, the normal pod that's going to go out on all, on all platforms, but we'll continue our, our chat on, on the Patreon podcast because I want to ask you about who you fancy as, as the new manager, who you got your eyes on, because we have been linked with everyone. And it's interesting because we're getting linked with very young managers that have literally started their journey. And then we've been linked with managers abroad. There's a certain Dutch guy at Feyenoid who also has no hair. Um, and one or two other uh, big names, but there's also this kind of domino effect that might kick in. Does Ancelotti stay at Madrid? Does he leave? Does Poch go there? What does that then mean for us? Again, I tapped out of this discussion a while ago, and I, I don't know whether anything's changed in the last week, so we're, we're crack on with that. So people listening on Apple, Google, Spotify, Thank you for tuning in again. Sorry for the belated pod release this week. We'll be back to a Monday release from next week post Bournemouth. Um, uh, So catch you on the next one.